You're listening to episode seven of the Product Boss Podcast. In this episode, Jacqueline and I go over the seven ways to clean up your product-based business. Now, this seems fitting because we just got done with 2017. It's a fresh year and we've just gotten halfway into January 2018. But really, if this is your busy season right now for your product-based biz, you can definitely wait until your slow season and then run through this checklist again with some serious action behind it. We suggest digging deep with this checklist at least once a year, but it can really be at any time. And a great time for that is when you're in your slow months, when you're ready to work on your business and ready to clean up and refresh the areas we've listed. This way, you're making sure you're keeping up with the growth of your business and also continually improving it. Now, I'm also very excited. It's our lucky number seven podcast episode. So I'm putting in a request to our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. I'm so appreciative of that iTunes has now made it so much easier for our listeners to review podcasts. So now all you have to do is just scroll down past our list of episodes. You'll see a link at the very bottom on the left-hand side that says, write a review. Jacqueline and I would be so thankful and so honored if you would leave a review for us. You're actually not even having to leave the podcast app. It's right there and it takes less than 30 seconds. It helps boost our rankings with iTunes and helps to solidify whether or not we should be spending our time providing you this content in a podcast format. And if you find that valuable, we would be so appreciative of your feedback. So thanks so much, everyone. Let's get started. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone. It's Jacqueline, and I'm here with my co-host, Mina. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey, everyone. So today we're going to be talking about cleaning up your product-based business. Uh, These are things that we think that you should be doing and checking over at the beginning of this new year or maybe even at the end of the previous year. It's just a list of points in your business that uh, really need to be evaluated on a yearly basis. So uh, Jacqueline, should we jump right into it? Absolutely. Let's do this. Okay, first things first, Jacqueline and I are, working, are both working on this, and that is making sure your website is up to date. Um, so this could mean brand colors. I actually, um, the previous year, I switched from Squarespace to Shopify. And when I, now I'm in Shopify and I'm having my website redone in Shopify and just making my, my brand colors a little bit brighter, they were really subdued. So even something like that where you're just checking to make sure that your brand online on your website really fits. 
So this is a little bit of a monster task, depending on what your, your redo is or what your update is. So this is my stretch goal last year at the end of the year. We're recording this in the beginning of um, January 2018. And this was my stretch goal basically before the holidays. And it is stretching into the new year. Um, but I, my site is on WordPress and it, and I have a great SEO for my business designer consulting co-op and I need to maintain that. But I've had the company 10 years and I've redone the site twice. And the last time I did my site was seven years ago. So the other thing is that sites get updated. There's new ways, you know, viewing, everyone has different iPhones and Samsungs and all the other, you know, we're looking on, on all different devices. And so I really needed to update that to what's current, but still keep, you know, keep the essence of the DCC. Yeah, and this might be looking at your, uh, what you're featuring as your main image. It might also be looking at your about story. Um, in my about story, I talk about my daughters and how old they are. It's a year later, they're a year older. So you might wanna change your about story or kind of make it fit more where you are in your business um, at that point in time. Um, also looking at like testimonials, should you update those? Do you have different products that people have given you testimonials on that you can add to the batch of, um, of the ones that you have online? And then another change that I'm making is that right now, video is really, really in. So I, even though I have a product-based business, I'm doing little shorts on like my labels being under running water, being attached to um, each bottle, showing that seal and stick uh, technology where they peel off the backing and stick it to a bottle. So really these are like kind of almost like really short gifts even where they're not like full videos. They're really just little snippets and then they get the idea of, hey, those are waterproof and hey, those are really easy to stick. I think, I mean, as long as you stay on brand, but you update your brand and that you stay current with it and it gives you something to talk about with your audience as well. Like, Hey, check out my new website and there's new launches and it feels fresh and clean. I feel like a ton of people that I follow online were redoing their sites this year or yeah. actually in the new year. For sure. Everybody kind of refreshes their website at least because it's one of those things that gets forgotten after a while. Once you put it up there, you forget about it. But if you're product based, you should be at least looking at it yearly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I was going to say that if you look at other sites that you really respect, so bigger, bigger websites, you know, bigger shop Bop or revolve.com, they have these amazing images, let's say for fashion, where you could buy off of the website. And so just keeping up to date with the way that people are showing their products um, not so flat, not digital, but you know, like you're saying, if you're using a little video to show how it's used, which so just trying to stay ahead of the game and innovative on trying to sell people from your online store. Yeah. And it just, um, it's like keeping your pulse on that website and what's coming in. Okay. So the next, uh, area that you should be looking at is your inventory process. So this is no fun whatsoever because nobody likes to think about their inventory, but really looking at how you want to streamline keeping track of your inventory. So this might be, the easiest way might be in batches. So if you, let's say you're selling clothing, you do batches of one size and one color, and then you put them all in a little bag. For me, I have a very large volume in home, which since it's in my house, <laughs> and my, um, I set up a trigger. So at a thousand, 
uh, units, I order more because if you're looking at the lead time, it usually takes me two to three weeks, two weeks manufacturing, one week stuffing and preparing and then shipping in to Amazon and all that stuff. It's usually a little bit more than three weeks and you have to look at how much you're, you could be selling at that time at your very most. So then you don't run out of inventory. So that's a, a really important point to look at is what your process is for, for your inventory and how you can make it better. Absolutely. So I know a lot of websites that you sell on have trigger points or they have, they alert, they, they can alert you when you get to a certain stock online. If you're selling wholesale and you're selling on e-commerce, you do have to have a way of tracking your inventory between what you're selling to your customers online and what's available for stores to buy from. So you do want to make sure that you constantly have an updated inventory list, whether it's a Google spreadsheet or you're using some sort of system or you have a way to track your inventory in QuickBooks, try and like staying on the pulse of it again, but try and stay on top of that because if you have a low inventory, you would hate to sell it to two people or have it listed and then have to tell somebody that it's out of stock. The thing I would say about inventory is you can, depending on your product, you could break it into seasons. So going back to fashion, we have multiple seasons. You're going into production per season, so spring, summer, fall, winter, and that's when you are taking in the inventory and organizing it. But then you might have leftover inventory. So systemizing that, making it really clear for people. And then if it's not a seasonal thing, maybe you make it seasonal. So I know, Mina, you're saying a thousand pieces, but even if we think about spring cleaning, you know, back to school time, the summer, if you think about times that you would really want to dig in and recount your inventory, make sure you're on top of that, organize, maybe clear some stuff out. You can donate it. You can have a sample sale. You can sell, you know, discounted items, put things on sale. Um, so if you break that down and I would just put on some headphones, listen to some podcasts or amazing music and just dig in and, you know, and organize and go through it and really stay focused. Yeah. And it does not have to be anything fancy. A Excel spreadsheet will be just fine. That way you can kind of keep track of what your busiest month is and what your slowest month is. So for me, my busy season, as I mentioned before, is the summertime, but my slow month surprisingly is November. So it goes into November and December. So I know that I don't need as much inventory and I'm able to kind of take into account lead time. Plus there's the holiday time during that time. So a lot of manufacturers or printers and that sort of thing, they close down for those holiday dates also. So you kind of have to think of it that way where the lead time might have to expand a little bit too. And I think we could absolutely dig deeper into projecting a calendar on lead time of how long it takes to you know, create the inventory that you need to be prepared for your busy seasons. And in your slower seasons, that would be the time for you to do that spring cleaning and take a look at the inventory you do have, figure out what needs to be replaced, what can be cleared out. And you know, just looking at it again makes you realize I have X amount of dollars sitting here in my studio, office, home. How can I move through this product? Because if you're doing multiple products, there might be some that move slower than others. Yeah, and it feels good. When you get that clutter of your business out and you kind of reassess where your inventory is at, then it just feels great to get back on track and then really uh, dig into the busier season. So spring cleaning into like the, into your, the rest of the year. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, the third area to really look at is your accounting process. Now, Jacqueline has been obsessed 
with this book called Profit First, and it's by Mike Makowitz. Is that who? Uh I think that's how you say it. (laughs) (laughs) And he has a really great uh, way of breaking things down. So then you're paying yourself in your business. Um, Jacqueline, maybe since you're you're fresher on it, you can explain it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's called Profit First. And ultimately he talks about why are we, why are we entrepreneurs? Why are we doing this and not paying ourselves? So, so many of us tend to hold on to the money that we're making to pay our expenses. So he was talking about basic accounting. I think it's called gap accounting where, um, income minus expenses equals profit. And what he was saying is income minus profit equals the money you have left over to pay your expenses. So making sure that you're still getting a profit. And I mean, he even uses one that if, um, you know, even if your profit is $10, you have a small business, you know, $10,000 business and you've allocated a, you know, 1% to your profit and you make 10 bucks or 20 bucks. He's like, just go to Starbucks when you eventually divvy it out to yourself and have the best Starbucks meal you've ever had. Um, but that you do want to reap some reward from your profits and enjoy. So I wish I had, I really wish I had, um, I'm in the middle of listening to the book because he is hilarious by the way, but I wish I listened to it last year because last year was the year of kind of accounting and accounting crises for me. Um, and so, and why I say that is, is that I'm bi-coastal and I have an office in LA and I live in New York and, or New Jersey. I like to say New York. <laughs> No offense, New Jersey. <laughs> New York is way cooler. <laughs> I used to live on the Upper West Side, so I'll just pretend it's still there, but just the other side of the Hudson. <laughs> um, but just digging into your accounting and understanding it, and, and so many of us avoid money. You know, the, We avoid the ins and outs, or we have expenses and we have no idea where everything lands. Um, so it just as you know, reassessing reassessing where you're at and what you need to be making and how you would be paying yourself. Yeah. And I think that there's different styles of accounting. I think there's actually people who are certified in profit first accounting. And then there's your regular accountants, just really looking at your accounting method and seeing if it fits with your style and your type of business and what your specific goals are. And then we're not, we're definitely not saying to handle it yourself, but outsource it with the, with the right type of accountant that you feel comfortable with. And that could be going over specific percentage breakdowns with your accountant and breaking it down, whether it be with profit first method or any other method, and then looking at your quarterly processes. For instance, there's the tax seasons where you pay quarterly taxes. So then you're not paying this huge lump sum at the end of the year. And so you need to be doing that if you're making a certain amount of money, which I did not do. Don't call the IRS on me but I did pay that lump sum at the end of the year and it was painful. And I, I was supposed to be paying that every quarter, but um, I let the accounting get away from me. I didn't actually pay enough attention to it. And then when my husband came on, he took over and realized I was doing a horrible job. So um, that's where we're at. So absolutely look at your accounting method, look at your accounting processes and make sure that it aligns with what you want it to be. Yeah. So especially for everybody who, you know, you're selling a product-based business and our product and um, depending on how you are taking 
payments? You know, are you taking credit cards? What percentage are you losing? Um, you know, even the amount that you're paying for shipping. That was something that I found that got away from me last year was shipping. We were not being reimbursed for shipping for what we were paying versus what we were charging. And it was a hefty, hefty amount. By the second quarter, I basically looked at our numbers and I was like, I've just lost all this money on shipping. So I think what you all want to do is just take a look at your processes and how much things are costing, including credit card processing. A lot of people take Stripe or PayPal, but personally, because I was selling wholesale, I had, I didn't have a credit card terminal here, but I would process credit cards through authorized.net and I pay percentages and it takes a while to transfer over to the bank account. And, um, and then you're sort of losing, you're losing that money that you lose on cards, but you know you're getting paid versus checks aren't really, you know, done anymore. Um, and so that's just to keep in mind too, if you're selling wholesale, so if you're not selling direct to customer, but you're selling wholesale, you're going to want terms and, and you do, and you will accept credit cards from stores, let's say, but if they're willing to pay with a check or ACH where they can do a transfer, um, People take credit cards because it's more, you know you're going to get paid sort of thing. But if you could get that money in the bank without taking the credit card, then you're, you know, you're that three to 5%, you're not losing it. Yeah. And I'm going to insert an area that we did not put into our list, but you made me think of, and that is shipping. You should be looking at your shipping. Um, just to give you an idea, if you were to go to a UPS store, and those are franchises actually, they would charge you a certain amount. But if you were to go to online, ups.com, set up an account for your business, you would have to pay substantially less to send, and then you print your label online. You pay substantially less than you do going into that retail franchise shop of that UPS store. And then, but you can drop off to that store. So that's what I do is I print off my labels on my computer, pay less, and then drop it off to the UPS store where there's daily pickups. So even that, knowing that you're saving a little bit of money on your shipping, it all adds up to a whole bunch. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and also, you can set your UPS account to your Shopify store, whatever your stores are. And so then you're also getting that rate directly online. Um, and then that simplifies your process where you're able to uh, – some of these you know, add-ons, you're able to print – basically, your customer pays for the shipping. You're able to print the label when you're packing and shipping or if you're selling to stores. Um, so I just want to touch on that really quick. But if you are selling wholesale, your store pays for shipping. And so before you ship to the store, you will let the store know the total price plus shipping. And generally you ship ground unless they've specified that they need it sooner. And then you tell them this is how much it's going to be to overnight it. Or if you're late to ship, then you would, um, you would probably, what I tell my clients is that you would pay the difference between ground shipping and let's say if you have to overnight it to get it there on time. But shipping is, you know, compare your shipping, right? There's DHL, UPS, FedEx, USPS. So compare that and see what works for your company. Yeah. And I made a couple notes for upcoming episodes, definitely wholesale guidelines. So knowing who should be paying what, and then also, um, we should definitely get more into shipping because we could go on and on about shipping. Shipping and might need to be a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we'll move on to the next one though. So the next area that you should really look at when you're looking at your business um, at um, the end of the year or beginning of the year is your social media presence. You should do a quick sweep 
first of all, to make sure that you're consistent on all platforms. Like, is your description the same? Is your website up to date? Is your, um, you know, those words, those buzzwords that you keep using for your particular brand. Like when you're thinking about your brand, you should have specific words that go with your brand. It could be like for my labels, it could be cute and convenient, you know, something like that you, that you say over and over, um, which those are not my buzzwords, but I did come <laughs> up with those before. <laughs> and so what I like to do is I do a clean sweep for consistency and each quarter I pick out one social media platform that I'm focusing on. So for, um, for me, quarter one is Pinterest. Quarter two coming up will be Instagram. Quarter three will be Facebook and Facebook ads and quarter four will be YouTube. So I'm kind of just making sure that I do not overwhelm myself with the crazy amount of time that social media takes. So I'm just focusing on one and pushing the others to the back burner until some upcoming time. And you guys, this is why I love Mina and she's my biz bestie <laughs> because she's the opposite of me. So <laughs> I, you know, you find people in your life to teach you things and she is so organized when it comes to strategy and timing where she's breaking that down versus me. I would say, Oh, it's social media time. And I would try and teach myself Pinterest and launch a YouTube channel at the same time. <laughs> So I think the strategy that the little bits that you will get from Mina in terms of that, I think that's just a fantastic idea because there is that learning curve, right? Of, of figuring out the platform, you know, figuring out the resources, what tools there are to use on that to, you know, repost or to automatically upload things for you to figure out your tag words, um, who your competition is. There's so much that goes into it. So really, I think it would take up to three months to train yourself and then get into a habit of posting and then layer on the next social media account. Um, yeah. oh, sorry. oh no, I was saying I, I actually, um, it's just my main focus. Like for instance, when I'm focusing on one, that's when I'm hiring for that particular thing. I hired for Q1, I hired somebody to handle my Pinterest. And so it's not like I'm letting those other things die. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gets pinned to Pinterest actually gets automatically pinned to Instagram, which automatically gets posted onto Facebook, but I'm not putting any effort or focus on them. It's like the star of the show right now is Pinterest. And then the next quarter, the star of the show is Instagram. So I'm still doing those automated things like what you were mentioning, but I'm just focusing on one where those other ones are more just like little efforts that are automated. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of people also get super overwhelmed and especially for learning all of them. So if you're in a startup, if you're starting out, figure out what's most important to your brand to focus on. Um, Mina has been around for a while. She has her brand on all of them. And then this focus is great because it'll sort of push each one ahead. Um, Otherwise, something that I assessed, let's say, for designer consulting co-op was I was trying to do Instagram. I was trying to do Facebook. I was doing Pinterest. And let's say Instagram may not be my customer necessarily. My customer might not be searching Instagram for what I do. I have to really figure out what kind of information I can give on Instagram versus Pinterest where people are searching. It's used as a search tool, right? So for my business, that might be more appropriate to focus on first versus someone who's a product-based business might be doing Instagram with little videos and um, really beautiful layouts and whatnot. So I think I think it works differently for everybody and where they want to focus. 
And the way I look at it too is where you want to focus your money. Like I'm investing in Pinterest by hiring somebody to figure out tailwinds, figure out board booster, apply to group boards, all that stuff. And you don't have to figure out everything yourself. You can definitely hire somebody and work on the strategy and then have them kind of teach you the bare bone basics of what you should be doing. So I just wanted to do a little shout out to our friend Kate All of Simple Pin Media. She has an amazing podcast and I love it because she actually breaks down per month pins that you should focus on depending on what people are searching. So if you get a chance, go ahead and listen to that podcast and we will leave that in our show notes. Yeah. She just had one on what you should be pinning in January, you know, so it just makes it easier then you don't have to do any sort of thinking. (laughs) Okay. So the next area really is a broad one, but it is looking at and your, your products that you offer and the collection that you have, and then seeing if you need to be updating that. That could be in changing the descriptions, changing, you need to be adding sizes in there. Even for me, I should be adding all the sizes of labels. Maybe I have new products, all of that. That is when you should make sure everything is cleaned up and then um, where it should be. Yeah. So with your product line, I guess it depends on, you know, for example, Mina has it's not a single product, but you know, whether she wants to be innovative and change her product that she's giving. So whether she's going to do bigger labels or maybe, you know, attract a different market. If you're a seasonal item, like if we go back into clothing, obviously you're adding on product or pieces because you're moving into new seasons and different body styles and trends, but you also want to think about what you can continuously pull forward. So I think as designers, as entrepreneurs, we're always excited about what's next, but you also want to look at what's making money for you. If you have a product that just keeps selling, keep selling it, keep selling it until you see those numbers drop. But otherwise, so many times we're sort of ready to move on to the next thing. And I mean, you know, you have, you have some products in your line that you've had forever, right? Yeah. So I have just a handful of products, you guys. So I have my baby bottle labels and I have my clothing labels. Those are like my pillar products. I also have milestone stickers, which is where you stick on like this, you know, one month, two month stickers. They are horrible at sales. Like I've sold maybe five out of the thousand that I have. So that just shows you an example of something that I came up with during one of these evaluations that I thought was so brilliant that didn't work out. And I I did a 1000 run of them and tested it out. And obviously they did not do great. But another one that we're coming out with, which I'm super excited for this year is date labels. So they're like one day labels. And so you kind of have to look at what you heard from your customers that they're really needing. One thing I learned from my customers during this year was that they wanted like one day to two day use rather than one labels that stay on. So maybe that's when you sit down and work on your business and work on your product line and think about where are my holes at and what have my customers been trying to tell me? What do they need? And I'm going to test it out. Nobody told me they needed milestone stickers. (laughs) (laughs) But you did. (laughs) Yes. And I thought it was so brilliant. And I pitched it to my husband and he was like, oh my gosh, you're brilliant. And then we went forward with it and it flopped. So yeah, there is that testing ground. We are going forward with these daily stickies and, um, and then seeing how they do. And and then again, in one year, we'll evaluate if we want to drop that from our line or if we want to keep it on. And I only have four products then. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so let's say you're going into the wholesale realm of things um, and you have multiple products. If 
something doesn't sell, but there's a large minimum to go into production on it, let's just say you sell a few of them. One store buys a handful of this one item or a couple stores, just look in percentages and you're not going to hit your minimums. You're allowed to drop that style, that product. You would call the store and say, look, this hasn't sold well for us, but this is selling really well for us. How about we move your dollars over to buying this one? Because generally the buyers tend to be the people that are knowing what their customers need and they're still people, they're humans that like things. So if we want to look at majority rules, if the majority of the buyers are into um, one product versus another and one goes rogue, we just don't want you to get stuck in minimums where you'll end up with a thousand pieces and only have sold five if the orders aren't there. Know that you can't, you're not stuck to anything before you go into production. Right, absolutely. And I think that uh, one of the ways that to do this is just to flip your thinking and make it, a, make it into a marketing opportunity. So what I'm gonna do with those milestone stickers is I'm going to try to contribute to a subscription box like Bloom and have a coupon sticker on there or a coupon in there that says, hey, try out our baby bottle labels and try to use, like literally giving away those milestone stickers for free, not my ideal situation, but I'm trying to leverage that marketing opportunity to push it to a product that I know that will sell. Such a good idea. And then that's why those flash sale sites exist. So if you are sitting on a lot of product of one or two styles, you can work on getting, you know, on a Zulily or some other online site that sells, they're more or less like online sample sales. And then you can clear out of a product and just make some cash back to recoup your costs. Yeah. And it makes you feel a little bit better. A little better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the last but not least, the last area that you should be looking at is your email list. Are you emailing your people? How are you emailing them? And do you need to change it up? So just to give you an example, I've tried every single email service provider, hoping that I would find the right one. I've tried Campaign Monitor, MailChimp. Um, I was on ConvertKit just a little bit ago, and now I'm switching to Smarter Mail. I had an intention to go into using Klaviyo until I saw their prices, and it scared me off because I wasn't sure if I wanted to pay. I think it was like 300-something bucks a month for 10,000 emails. Not that I even have 10,000 emails, but... I want to get up to that point, but the reason why it is so expensive is because they do amazing things like Clavio will send out these different sequences. They'll pull people in from Facebook and know exactly how much that person bought. It's a really, really robust system for product space. Um, it's just, I don't do any fancy things with my email or my Facebook. So there's no reason for me to invest in that email provider right now. So Smarter Mail is really similar. If you do any sort of shopping online at Amazon, you'll get these one emails that are super simple that say recommended for you. And then it'll just only say that. And so that's what Smarter Mail does for your Shopify site is that they send out these recommended for you emails that auto auto populate with your products. And they it's just nothing fancy, no content just basically recommendations. And so I want to try that out. I'll see if I get any sort of return on it. Keep us updated on that. That's so interesting. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) Yeah. I use MailChimp because I'm not product based. And so, and I have a large list and you kind of pay as you go. Right. So 
up to X amount of users is this amount or it's free. And then every time you sort of hit a new milestone, you get charged. One thing to look at too is like I've had my business for so long that I have a really long-term list, but they're not all necessarily subscribers that actually respond or open. They may not even be in the industry anymore. So oftentimes you could send out a email that says, you know, are you still interested? Unsubscribe here. And you could really flush out your email list. So that way you really are just attracting or talking to people, customers that are interested in your product. You know, you can also, you also have targeted lists or segments of lists. So depending on where you've got email subscribers from, oftentimes if you're doing any sort of live events, so you're doing a trade show, you're doing a pop-up shop, um, anything that you're live and you're interacting with your customer, make sure you get their email address. You know, you could bring an iPad and have them type, type it directly in as a subscriber. You can have them fill it out, writing it down on like a paper and then you import it yourself but try and gain emails whenever you can. And then that would be a segmented list. Let's say like that's from the Christmas holiday show, 2017. So if you're going to send a specific email to them, you may start an automation that says, Hey, Merry Christmas. So great seeing you at the Christmas show, blah, 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 blah. And then it would lead them into another sequence of emails. So you could stay targeted and you could target those audiences depending on where you've met them or where they've come from. Yeah. And so we'll do that in another episode, Jeesh, upcoming episode crazy on this episode, but we'll talk about welcome sequences and nurture sequences. Nurture sequences come after the initial, Hey, welcome to the email list. Um, and here's who I am and why I'm in your inbox. And then after that is the nurture sequence, which is touch points for what you should be hitting on. It's, it's great to test out whatever you can. We actually use, um, MailChimp for the product boss. And I actually really like it a lot. It's really simple to use and they have lots of templates. I love that little monkey guy that pushes the button when they send out an email. He gives you a thumbs up at the end. Yeah, I, think, like a I, know. Uh -huh. <laughs> I love him. It's so smart, right? Look at your email system and see if that is the system that you want to be on to make you send out more emails. When I was on ConvertKit, for instance, which is very, um, it looks more like a simple text type of email. They, it's targeted more towards bloggers, but I was using it because it, it segments your list very easily. And also because I wanted people to get familiar with me, the person behind the brand. But then I realized that I was not sending out to people because I didn't have any sort of content that I wanted to be sending out to them. And it was hard for me to come up with new stuff all the time. And I didn't want to bombard them with, Hey, here's another sale. Here's another sale. You know? So I think that, um, just figure out what system works best for you and what you like to send out on. And also stay consistent. So however often, if you want to send out one email a month, stay consistent to that. If it's once a week, stay consistent and just figure out what you're offering. So you may offer sales when they come up, but what's that in between? What's the reason? Why are you reminding them to click on this and see and check out your site? Um, so again, I think, you know, try and get emails wherever you can, whether it's on your website, whether it's through people purchasing. And then if you do live events, make sure to capture that email. If you came out of that market with zero sales, but 50 emails, I would say it's worth it because you're connecting with real people. They have a face for you. You're not just an online business. And that's sort of a warmer, um, a warmer leader, a warmer customer. So just always try and connect and, and build your list. 
Yeah, and one helpful tip that I figured out because I was really immersed in the service-based community of resources, the opt-in for a product-based business should always be a discount. 20% off of your first email, 30%, 10%, whatever it is. When I first started in product-based, people were saying your opt-ins should be um, different checklists, different opt-ins that were like freebies, right? And so I tried doing that. I was getting nobody. And I thought, huh, I have no idea what I should be doing for product-based because this is really service-based people that I'm listening to. And then after a while, I figured out, hey, it actually should be a coupon, which kind of was that dull moment, but people are used to seeing that discount and that's what they want. They want that discount to really try out your product for the first time. Yeah, and think of it as you know marketing or an investment into your business. You can give them that discount and know that if you serve them right, if you, they get that package and it's beautiful and they love what they got, they will come back without the discount and that's the point. Yeah, so let's do a quick, um, quick rundown of what we just talked about and see if we missed anything. So first one was to make sure that your website is on point. Next is your inventory process. Make sure that you streamline it. Third is your accounting process. Make sure it aligns with what you want on a quarterly basis or whatever you plan to do. We threw in their shipping process. Is it something where you could save money? Are you missing anything as far as costs? Fourth is social media presence. Uh, what's your upcoming plan? Don't get overwhelmed. Plan it out and hire accordingly. Uh, fifth is products. What products are you offering? How can you clean that up and make sure it is what your brand is at that time, like what you want to be offering? And last was email list. We went in deep with that email list, but it's a big deal. Jacqueline, was there anything that I missed? You didn't miss anything. So it is, those, those are your seven seven tips for this episode. Yeah. So clean up your product-based business. You should absolutely do it at the end of the year and let it creep into the beginning of the year like we have because it's a lot. It's a lot. Don't get overwhelmed with it. Just make sure you're checking those out and building the business that you really want. So thanks everyone for joining us on this episode and we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. This episode was brought to you by our mastermind, Multi-Stream Machine. Multi-Stream Machine is our 12-week program that takes the high-level knowledge of two product-based experts, myself and Jacqueline, combined with all the inspiration, accountability, and magic of a peer mastermind. We coach the hot seats through their struggles, facilitate the advice of all their fellow product-based masterminders, and help to focus everyone on more sales. Believe me, it's not only business changing, it's life changing. And we want you to be a part of it. Go to www.theproductboss.com mastermind to learn more or to apply now.